1: Till that storm was moved for good For the Lamb had conquered dead, And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe And the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame Oh
2: to see you guys. My name is Star McMillan, and welcome to Discovery. Good job, you guys. A week before Christmas, you're here. You're exactly where you should be, right? There might be a list that you still have to do. Anyone have a list before uh, this week that you're like, okay, how many things can still be delivered on Amazon (laughs) before Christmas and get wrapped and under the tree? But I want you to set that list aside this morning. And know that this right here is on the list, being here this morning. If it wasn't on yours, it was certainly on God's list. And you can check that off. You're here. You're looking good. You made it with your family, no matter what the car ride was like on the way here, whatever. You're here. And I'm so thankful. You guys, we are here not only to worship the Lord, but to also prepare our hearts for the coming of Christmas. And the coming of Christ the King, right? got one week and this is the third week of Advent so I'm just so thankful that you guys are here you know this week's theme in Advent is joy and sometimes we have to dig a little deep for that right but gosh I'm just so joyful that we are here to worship so I've got a few things for you hopefully you guys got a worship folder when you came in and I want to point you to a few things that are inside the first thing is the connection card I'm going to try to do this with my mic hand This is like gold to us, and we would love for you to fill it out. If you're new, especially, we'd love to get a little bit more information on you and how we can pray for you. I promise we'll be careful with this information. We just want to know you're here and how we can serve you, love you, get you connected into the body, and um, so go ahead and fill that out. If you are new, it's super important, but if you're old... If you've been here every week and you've heard this spiel, you know what I'm going to say. We'd love to hear from you, too, and we'd love to be praying for you this week. There's a lot of things that um, go into this season, and I think there's a lot of spiritual joy, but there can also be a lot of spiritual warfare. So let's be praying for each other this week. So fill that out. Let us know how we can can serve you better. The other thing that I really want to point your attention to as well is this lovely little invitation to Christmas Eve service. I want you guys to take this home. Do not recycle this. Do not put it back in the basket. You're going to take it home, and as much as we want you here and know that you are totally invited, this is not for you. This is for your friend or your neighbor, somebody who just needs a little nudge. You know, this is the time of year that people, whether it's tradition or something calling them in their hearts, they want to go back to church. They want to celebrate somewhere for Christmas Eve, for a lovely candlelight service, maybe some cute kids singing. And we're, we got it. We got it all. We got the candles. We got the kids. It's going to be beautiful. And we invite you to invite someone who just is longing for that little nudge, that little invitation, and just needs a buddy to go to Christmas Eve service. So please use that this week. Be praying over it. Put it on your fridge for a few hours. Pray over it. And then go walk that over to your neighbor or call that friend and invite them. There's a 4 o'clock service and a 6 o'clock service. And I'm telling you, it is just... Um, a perfect way to bring uh, and to celebrate Christmas Eve and prepare our hearts also the following week is New Year's Eve service and it's going to be a little bit pared down uh, we're, we're having service at regular time but we're going to have it a family service so there won't be any kids uh, ministry or youth ministry services we're going to just do that all together and it'll uh, be a time of communion and worship and a wonderful opportunity to prepare your hearts for the new year because God's got big things for you this coming year right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what else, you guys? Service overview. Let me tell you what we can expect. We've got a great service. We're going to worship together. We're going to prepare our hearts. We are in our second uh, week of our new series, which is called The Wonder of Christmas. It's Finding God, The Wonder of Christmas, and we have Jesse Holcomb speaking today. So yeah, let's give it a hand. Jesse, I love you, brother, and I'm always excited to hear what you have to say, and you, you always make me laugh, sometimes you make me cry, and you always keep me on the edge of my seat just with, what is he going to say? <laughs> What's coming out of that wonderful mouth of his? So I'm excited because I know that he's just got a wonderful message for us, and then we will worship a little bit more and have a little giving back to God time, and right now I'd like to actually bring up the Lumsden's because they are going to help us just prepare our hearts for this Advent season. This week is our third week. Like I said, it's joy, and they're going to share a few verses with us um, about that very thing, about how, yeah, joy.
3: Hi, I'm Kristen Lombsden. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And we are reading... Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. To provide... For those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory.
4: They will build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities the devastations of many generations.
3: For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them.
4: Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed.
3: I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels.
4: For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown to be sprung spring up, so the lord god will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations
3: and now from luke 1 and mary's magnificat my soul magnifies the lord
4: and my spirit rejoices in god my savior
3: for he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant surely from now on all generations will call me blessed
4: for the mighty one
3: He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy.
4: According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever.
0: Thank you. Our sound guy's holding a baby back there. Um, would you stand and join me, Father God? We worship you. We pray that our worship to you would be righteous, God. You would spring up righteousness in us. God, I'm not saying that we are a righteous people, as much as you long for that, Lord. But I pray that we would have a heart that desires your your calling in our life that you you would inspire righteousness in us, that you would help us to walk away from the things that we are afraid of and the things that are holding us back, the things that we might be addicted to, the things that we are distracted by, God. We lay them down and we look up towards heaven expecting you, Jesus, who was born on Christmas 2,000 years ago. We celebrate Christmas anyway. He was born 2,000 years ago and we praise him on Christmas. We praise him now, Would we praise him every day of our lives that he would be the one, the king, the one true king that we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Here we go. Come, thou long expect.
5: would worship a a person who would come who would live who would die for us it's not this vague notion of a God who's far off but it's a person who came to love us who came to live with us and it's who we worship today and in this season we thank you for the gift of your son we thank you for you Jesus today in your name we pray amen please be seated how's everybody doing this morning So I'm going to drag this thing over. I've broken it as I've moved it before, so I'm just going to slide it. There we go. How's everybody doing this morning? Man, I am so excited to be with you guys. My name is Jesse, if we have not had the chance to meet. um, I typically hang out with our students, with teenagers. And um, yeah, give it up. You guys have amazing teenagers. Um, They're the best people. Like, as much as they are actually people, they're great people. Um, so, please, when you see them, encourage them. This, you know, kids have it rough. Young people have it rough in our world today. I don't know if you guys know this, but we are going through a, a mental health crisis for young, young teens today. Um, everybody, but specifically teenage girls, are going through a mental health crisis. So, we should be supporting these these young people. Um, we are in week two of a series called Finding God, right, where we are talking about... Man, you guys are smart. You guys are on it. And here's, here's a little inside baseball for you. Typically, Pastor John, about a month out from asking me to speak, he'll say, Jesse, can you speak on December so-and-so? And I say, yes, of course. I would love to do that for you, right? And so he gives me kind of a topic, and typically if you guys don't kind of follow what we do here, is uh, Pastor John teaches in an expository style. And what that means is he will take verse by verse through a book of the Bible, right? So we've been in the book of Luke for, for a long time, right? for For years, right? And so the nice thing about speaking in an expository manner is that you're kind of confined to the text, like I can't make stuff up, right? It's... It's right there. It's present in the text. And then every now and then, he'll be like, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to flip the script. We're going to go someplace different. And there's always a little bit of anxiety I have because have you ever had too much freedom? Right? It's that little bit of like, oh, I don't know what to do with all this space and all these words I can find. And so he goes, hey, I want you to teach out of Matthew 2 and just talk about how to find God. I'm like, yeah, let's sum that up in 30 minutes today. Like, let's just nail that down. We're all going to figure out how to find God today, and it's going to be that easy. It's hard. Typically, my notes are like three pages. We got seven today, y'all. Yeah, we're talking fast today. Like, we are going through it. Um, But if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. The thing about Matthew chapter 2 is Matthew is writing the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, to a, uh, to a Jewish audience. If you guys are familiar with the brand FUBU, for us, by us, this is that. This is for a Jewish audience, by a Jewish man. And so he is specifically interested in talking to the Jewish audience about who Jesus is. He is pointing to the fact that Jesus is fulfilling thousands, hundreds of years of prophecy, Okay, Because he wants to convince his fellow countrymen, his fellow Jewish people, that this Jesus is the Messiah they've been expecting. That this Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, is the Savior. Right. So this is kind of what he is doing. And when you peel back layers, he's diving into prophecy, he's diving into the past, and he's trying to paint a picture to say, hey, this person you've been waiting for, this Messiah, this person who's going to free the oppressed, this person who's going to break us free from chains and and bondage, this person is found in Jesus. And that's the picture, that's the image that Matthew is painting for us. And much like today, this is a volatile time, right? The, 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 The world that Jesus is born to is violent, and it's ripe for either revival or revolt. It's one of the two. And so this is the world that Jesus is born into, people are waiting for the messiah they 've been oppressed for hundreds of years now by different empires, right and now Rome has conquered them, and they are under the thumb of an oppressive empire and here they sit they 're waiting anxiously for a messiah, for a savior and how about you, but this time of year, I feel similar because typically in a year, I remember when 2023 started, guys, I was like 2023 is about to be my year y'all. 2023 is about to be the best thing we've ever done. 2023 was whack. Right? Like, 2023 was hard for me. I don't know. Like, my grocery bill went up. Like, it was rough. I got big kids. Like, it's, 2023 was hard. So there's always this expectation at the end of the year where I'm looking at 2024, I'm like, I think 2024 could be it. I think 2024 could be the moment. And so this is what the Jewish people are doing. They're looking towards the future, and they're saying... This Messiah, this person, we don't know where he's coming from, but he's coming soon. So there's an anticipation in the air. Matthew chapter 2, we are going to meet some wise men, some magi. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read. It says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men, or magi, from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed. He was deeply disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had been That had seen at its rising, it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the example of these wise men in this story. And I pray that as we talk about finding you, that we would learn from them and that we would maybe uh, learn to model our lives off of their intentionality in seeking out you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So a few things to point out about the story. Um, How many wise men do we typically think there are? We say like three, right? Like typically, there's like, oh, the three wise men. Like there's no indication that there are three wise men here. Like that's just a side note, right? This is an entourage. This is a crew. This is so many people from the east, right, that it causes Herod. It says he's disturbed, right? Like, this is a, a, a powerful group of men, of individuals from a far off place, magi in, in some translations, wise men in others. Magi, it means maybe magician, astrologer, it means uh, someone who interprets dreams. These are people, though, that are outside of the Jewish people, these are outsiders. These are people that they don't have an understanding of the Jewish text like King Herod and his crew do. But these people are on the outskirts. But there's something about Jesus, there's something about this prophecy in the book of Micah that they have picked up on even being from a far away place. And I think it's important for us to know as Christians today, we are followers of this book, right? We, we read the Bible, we, we live our lives into it, and what often happens is maybe like King Herod and his scribes, we know the book, but we've forgotten the book, right? The fact that these outsiders, they recognize something that even King Herod and his chief priests don't recognize maybe gives us an indication of how we should posture our heart towards learning and towards following Jesus, that we should not be so... Uh, confident in our ability to interpret this text so strongly that we think we have the uh, corner pegged on truth here. So this is just an important thing to note as we look at the Magi. N.T. Wright says this. He says, the arrival of the Magi introduces us to something which Matthew wants us to be clear about from the start. If Jesus is in some sense king of the Jews, that doesn't mean his rule is limited to the Jewish people. Again, This is Matthew painting a picture to the Jewish people that this God, this Jesus, this Messiah, is not just for us. He's for everybody. Our first point today is going to be this. It's going to be finding God is intentional. Finding God is intentional. No one here woke up here this morning, did you? Anybody? Maybe a teenager, you feel like you woke up here this morning. It was an intentional choice to be here on a Sunday morning, right? And maybe that intentional choice started a few days ago. You got an invitation. Someone said, hey, be here. And so you took steps to be here. Maybe it was last minute. Maybe you woke up early this morning and said, man, I really need to go to church. But even if it was last minute, it was an intentional decision to be here. And every single one of us, we make intentional and unintentional decisions every single day. But following Jesus, finding God, it is an intentional journey that we have to take. Like, no one here is going to stumble into having a great marriage. Right? You don't have a 40, 50, 60 year marriage where you're like, oh man, our life has been so great together. And you're like, how did we do that? Right? Like, there are things that you've done. You don't just stumble into it. Um, a, a challenge for if you have kids in this room, if you just expect that your kids are going to follow Jesus because you follow Jesus, if you're not intentional with discipling the people that are in your care, if you're not intentional about seeking this thing, about talking to them, about demonstrating, right, the fruit of the Spirit, if you're not doing those things, then good luck, Right? It's, it's an intentional thing that we say, that say, I want to follow Jesus. And these wise men, they make an intentional choice. They leave from a place far off in the east, and they choose a direction. And what I love about the imagery, this is Matthew, this is, I'm going to nerd out on some Bible real fast, so you guys can bear with me, is that at the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, right, we have Adam and Eve in the garden, they get kicked out of the garden. Does anybody remember what direction they get kicked out of the garden? East. Right? They get kicked out to the east. And then all through Scripture, we have this picture that's painting of when the tabernacle and the temple are built. Do you know what side the doors of the tabernacle and the temple are? East. And so we're painted from the very beginning of Scripture to this moment that if you want to return back to the Garden of Eden where man and God are back together, if you want to enter into the Holy of Holies, where God resides, if you want to enter back into this space, where man and God can be together in unity again, you have to come from the east and you gotta come west. And so these wise men are doing exactly that, they're painting this picture, this intentional picture of saying, I'm going to walk in this direction towards Jesus. One of the things we have to do is, we have to quit relying on our wisdom from 2023. How many of you guys think that we have it nailed down in the wisdom department in 2023? <laughs> yeah, none of us, right? Like, it, it is, it, there is wisdom, there is truth that is ancient, that has been passed down to people before us. And it's not that everybody before us was perfect because they sure weren't. But it is that there's something that we've, I don't know, lost in all the busyness of our lives. Um, there's statistics that show that all of us like every single American, we see upwards of 2,000 advertisements every single day. Like every single time you're driving down the road, every car that you see is an advertisement for that car. Every billboard, every commercial, right? they are all these things that are vying for your attention and time. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find that unintentionally I am losing myself to the things around me, right? Because I start doing this. Right? Without even thinking about it. Without even thinking about it. F- following God has to be an intentional choice. And these wise men, they're looking back at ancient wisdom themselves. They're looking back at prophets and they're saying, what is this thing we want to follow? What is this thing far off to the west that we are going to go to, that we are going to seek? This journey was also, it was a relational journey. This was an entourage. This was so many people that King Herod and his men, they were disturbed. They were bothered by it. It wasn't just three dudes. It was a whole This is a relational journey. I don't know if you know this, but you need people. It might not feel like you need people. You might not want people, but you need people, right? You need to be surrounded by people that are traveling in the same direction as you for safety, for guidance, for wisdom. If you're young, and when I say young, I mean like under 50 because I'm getting up there myself, so my definition of young keeps getting up. Um, If you're under 50 today... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're a young person, if you are not seeking people that are 10, 15, 20 years ahead of you and walking with them and be like, hey, can I learn from you? If you're not doing that, you're missing the mark on some wisdom. There are some smart people. There are some people with gray hair in here who they're, they're solid, right? It's a relational journey that we follow, and it's intentional. David's like, me? Yeah? <laughs> it's an intentional journey. Um, I don't know about you guys, um, but I can be intense. Would you agree with me, my wife? I can be intense. And um, the thing about intensity is that intensity is good. Like, we all have that moment maybe where we uh, find Jesus and we say, man, I want to follow him, and we have this really radical conversion moment. But oftentimes, that intensity is not able to be sustained, right? I like baseball. and you guys ever hear of a pitch count before? Right? There's a pitch count in baseball, and it means that the pitcher can only throw a certain amount of uh, pitches before he's going to be taken out of the game. Even if he's doing good, even if he's doing fantastic, because the idea is that level of intensity, that level of strain on your arm, it's not sustainable. And it will hurt you in the long run. Consistency trumps, trumps, consistency trumps this uh, intensity every single And oftentimes, following Jesus, seeking for him, finding God, is an intentional walk in one direction for a lifetime. For a lifetime. Right? Where we just walk in a direction. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be valleys, there's going to be hurdles, but we continue to walk in this direction towards God. Right? It's intentional. It's consistent. My wife... Um, about a year ago she, uh, she started this journey to be a fitness instructor which when you 're not a fitness instructor and you live with a fitness uh, instructor it's it 's intimidating right <laughs> like, it's, she's like she's like she 's amazing but the, the thing about her is that she 's so intentional with the way that she works out and the way she structures her, uh, her instructions her classes right like when I go work out maybe you 're like me when I go work out i 'm like I'm going to go do some squats, right? Which you can tell I do a lot of squats. Um, and I go and I do squats and I do like five and I'm like, mm, that doesn't feel good. I don't want to do squats no more. Right? Anybody? You're like, Ugh, that wasn't fun. And then so you're like, all right, I'm going to lift some weights. Then you lift some weights. You're like, mm, that's kind of hard. I don't really want to do that anymore. And then typically what happens is I end up on like a treadmill walking and like listening to like a show or something. I'm like, man, that was a great workout. Right? It was so good. It's fantastic. My glutes are, they're really... Nice glutes, um, <laughs> but but the thing is, I don't have the results in my workout because there's no intentionality to it, right? There's no plan. There's no like I, I'm not setting myself up for success in these moments. I'm just like I'm gonna do some stuff and I'm gonna hope for some results. When my wife sets up a workout, like she's intentional. She's like, this is arms, this is legs. You're gonna do burpees, right? And you're gonna do it for 45 minutes, and it's gonna suck, and it does. But it's intentional. There's a purpose behind the things that she's doing. And David in Chronicles, he says this, King David, he says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Right? It's this idea that we are always going to be seeking after God. We're going to be intentional. It's not a one-time thing. We are going to set a pattern for our lives, right, in a direction, and we are going to make our way there. And part of that is we have to quiet the noise of life. Life is noisy, especially this time of year. It's, I had a, uh, I don't know, an existential crisis. Would that be the right word? We were in a mall like three years ago at Christmas time. Do you want to like have a mental breakdown? Go to a mall like the week before Christmas. And I had this moment where we were in this mall and I'm just like, Everybody here doesn't realize it's about Jesus. Capitalism is sin. Ah. And my wife is like, we need to get the kids hugs," And I'm like, I know, Legos. Um, but it was this moment where I'm just like, man, I, I need this to be quiet. I need this thing to, I need life to just stop for a second. But here's the reality. If you're not intentionally making that time, it's not going to find you. Right? If you're not saying, like, hey, I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier and I'm going to set, like, my alarm and I'm going to make it happen, guess what? It's not going to happen. Like, we have to be intentional with how we are using our time. And oftentimes that means we need to quiet ourselves. A 2022 study said this. It said uh, the average American, this is crazy. I actually don't know if it's true. Studies are a little whack. They can make them say whatever they want to say. But I like this because it proves my point. A 2022 (laughs) study says... The average American spends 13 hours and five minutes a day with some sort of media. TV, a phone, audio, right? You're at work for eight hours on a computer. And I started thinking about my own life, I'm like, that can't be true. I don't spend nearly 14 hours a day, right? And I'm like, man, well, when I get up, I reach over, I grab my phone, right? On my way to work, I have a podcast on, you know, filling my brain. Sit down at a computer for eight, nine hours. I get home when I'm at home. The kids already have the TV on, so the TV's on from the time I get home to the time we go to bed. And then I sleep for maybe six, seven hours. And before I realize, I'm like, I do. Fill my day with like 14 hours of stuff. That's not healthy. That's not good. Right? Like, why is it that we are, as a people, like, man, I have a hard time thinking. So we don't stop to think. (laughs) Like, we have to be intentional with quieting the noise of our life. John Mark Comer, he says this. What you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. So what are you intentionally or unintentionally giving your attention to. What are you filling your mind with? I love the example of these wise men. They've filled their lives, filled their minds with so much ancient wisdom that when this star arrives, right, a star that most of us would be like, oh, there's a star up there, right? Like, we don't look up. But they're so attuned to these prophecies of the ancient world that they automatically know what it is. We're going to go that direction. We're going to seek out that thing. And the people, like this is the crazy thing, Jerusalem's like six miles away from Bethlehem. I like, it's not far. So the people that were closest that knew the scriptures, they missed it. Let's not miss Jesus in our lives, especially in this season. Second thing today, finding God takes flexibility. Now, being flexible and being intentional, uh, almost at first feel like they contradict each other. But in honesty, uh, finding God is not like having Google Maps, right? There There was a time, I want to take you back on a journey, young people, again, if you're under 50, you're included in that. Remember a time where if you needed to go someplace that you didn't know where you were going, you had to have a map with you. Remember maps? Remember paper maps? Right? Like, there was a time where you had the passenger, right? It's hopefully not the driver, but the passenger unfurls a map, and you never fold it the right way, right? It never goes back the way it was supposed to. So you unfold this thing. And you're like, okay, we're supposed to turn right on Shaw Road and then turn left on 67th Street, right? And it was a whole process to find things. And God forbid you got lost, right? How many uh, times were you sitting in the car listening to your mom and dad arguing about where to turn? And mom's like, hey, you need to stop at this gas station, and ask for direction. And dad's like, not going to do it. No, I know where we're at. He didn't know where we were at, ever, not one time right? And so we we would have this thing where we would have to take this journey and we had to be flexible, right? And then when I was a teenager, we had MapQuest. Anybody remember MapQuest? And you'd go on your computer and you'd print out directions specifically to the place. And that was a little bit better, right? You have these specific directions to this place, but again, God forbid you miss an exit. Because you miss an exit, throw those out the window. We don't know where we're at anymore, and we're back in the same position, arguing about the gas station, right? And now we have this beautiful miracle of technology where you can search, you can search an exact destination and you will be pulled up right in front of that person's house, right in front of that business. And it's like, we made it. Not only will it take you directly to it, it'll give you like three or four options of which the fastest way is. And for some of you sketchy people, it'll tell you where the cops are so you know to slow down. Like, this is a miracle of modern technology. But finding God is not like that. It's not. And what's, what's so fascinating to me is the wise men, they do something which is, which is cool. They have this prophecy. And so they're like, hey, we're going to follow the star, and we're going to go to where the people of God are. Right? They made an assumption that King Herod would know where the king of the Jews was, which is a pretty solid assumption, actually. Like, these are the people that believe in this prophecy. We're going to go to them. And guess what? They missed it, so they had to be flexible. Like, it took them the wrong direction first. They had to pivot, they had to say, oh, well, King Herod, y'all don't actually know? Okay, cool, well, we're gonna jet this way. And of course, King Herod was threatened by this baby Jesus. He was threatened by this child. And so what happens is they have to pivot again, they have to be flexible again, because they don't go home the same way. They go a different route. And oftentimes, we expect life to be a certain way. We have expectations of God. We have expectations that, man, I'm going to follow Jesus, and my marriage is going to be great, my kids are going to be great, I'm going to have a great job, it's going to be fantastic. And how often does that actually work out for us? How often does it actually work out that your five-year plan actually comes out the way that it comes out? Very rarely, very rarely. In Proverbs, it says this, a a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. It's good to have a plan. It's good to look forward. It's good to be intentional with that journey that you're trying to make. But expect the unexpected. Expect challenges. Expect hurdles. Right? We oftentimes, we get thrown off by things that I'm like, yeah, this is supposed to happen. Like, your teenage child is supposed to wild out a little bit. It kind of is what they do, right? Like, life is difficult. And for some reason, we let these uh, things in life throw us off our game a little bit to where it's like, oh, God can't be real. My car broke down. It's like, nah, no, cars break down. Like, it happens. It sucks when it happens. But, like, life is going to be challenging, it's going to be hard. Um, One of my favorite quotes from the great uh, philosopher and scholar, Mike Tyson. Um, In 1987, he's preparing for a fight, and uh, they ask him, like, hey, Mike, are you worried about your opponent's plan? And Mike Tyson, because you have the, I'm not going to imitate Mike Tyson. I could. I just don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) So he says, everyone has plans until they get hit for the first time. Thank you, Mike. That's true. We all have a plan, right? We all have a, a thing that we're like, hey, I'm going to go this direction. And here's the reality. Like, they could have gotten to Herod's palace and been like, oh, yo, Jesus ain't here? All right, cool. We're we going to go back, all right? They could have stopped. They could have been like, yeah, okay, we thought y'all would know, but obviously you don't. We're going to head back home. Right? But they were flexible. They realized that, man, in order to follow Jesus, it's going to take me to actually follow Jesus. Like, I'm going to actually have to press through some things. I, I want us to understand that our weak grasp for God, because oftentimes that's what it is. Most of us are fumbling through life in some way, even people that look like they have it together. Most of us are We're trying, We're struggling. It's challenging. It's difficult. And oftentimes, I speak for myself, it feels like the only thing I can do to try to find God is the weakest grasp for him. It's a, it's not a a run in his direction. It's a stumble in his direction. It's not a confident, bold, declaration that I'm a follower of Jesus. It's a broken, hurting. I'm dragging myself towards Jesus. And this is good. I think when we're doing that, when we're striving in that way, God is Jesus is celebrating that. And the easiest thing to do would be to get up and be like, yeah, this is too hard. This hill is too hard to climb. I'm going to go back this way. But I believe if we pursue, if we press in, if we really seek him, then we're going to find him. This is what scripture says. We will find him. Last thing today. uh, Finding God is going to cost us something. Again, I, I would love to stand up here and sell you on the pros of being a Christian today. No cons, just the pros. Life is going to be great. You're going to have a great marriage. Your kids are going to turn out okay. You're going to be rich, right? Wouldn't that be great if that was true? Like, father, you're going to have a Tesla, anybody? You know, you know, free Tesla's for everybody for following Jesus, right? I wish, I wish I could say that, but the reality is following Jesus in 2023 and all of human history, it's going to cost us something. It has to. It has to cost us something. Herod was threatened by this baby to the point that in the next chapter he goes on and orders the killing of all children under the age of two in the area because Herod recognized something that sometimes we don't even recognize. Herod recognized that if this Jesus is who he says he is, if this Jesus is true, if the prophecies are right, if this little baby grows up to be the man, the Savior, the Messiah, the King of the universe then it's it's threatening to my kingdom. And sometimes we think we can have it all. We think we can pursue everything we want to pursue, that we can do everything we want to do and follow Jesus. Right? We, We really have this assumption that, man, I can have whatever career I want to have. I can act any way I want to act. And as long as I'm in church on Sunday, we're good. But the reality is this. Jesus is a threat to you. He's going to threaten your livelihood. He's going to threaten your wants, your desires. He's going to threaten uh, the things that your heart desires. And we can look at that as a negative thing. But can I promise you, in Matthew, later on, Jesus says this, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. The reality is this, if you want to press into God, if you want this eternal reward that we talk about, this hope, this future thing, this here and not yet thing, then we have to press into the reality that in order to follow Jesus, we're going to have to give up some things, right? We're going to have to say, hey, these things that I want, they don't matter as much as wanting him. And there was incredible cost to the wise men, to these magi for following Jesus, right? It was a time cost. They traveled potentially years to get here, right? It cost them resources, gold, frankincense. I don't know what myrrh is. I didn't look it up before we started. Someone tell me afterwards, right? (laughs) But here's the thing. It cost them resources. And at the end of the day, once they realized what Herod's plan was, potentially could cost them their life. And so the question today is like, what are we willing to give up to find Jesus? What cost are we willing to pay? Is it worth it? Some of us, what we do is we settle for the King Herod when King Jesus is a little bit over here. If we would just press a little bit further. I think oftentimes what we do is we like the comfortable. We like to sit in the space where we feel like, oh, God has brought us here. I'm in this space. I'm good. I'm good in this moment. And for those of you, I love so many people here because for some of you that have that gray hair, you know that following Jesus, it's A lifetime commitment. You don't ever arrive. There's not a place where you're like, I'm the most Christian anybody could be. Look at me. Right? It's a lifetime of stumbling, of searching, of finding, sometimes losing. Right? And we walk along this path. It feels... uh, selfish, but if you would give me a moment to be selfish today, Um, our family, the Holcomb family, we are in a season of seeking and finding. Um, And when we came to Discovery in 2020, during COVID, we didn't know anybody. Um, I don't know about you, Steph, but I was done with church. Like, anybody here have been fired from a church before? I got fired from a church before Discovery. (laughs) I didn't have great feelings about church. I went to Bible college. I'm like, I could do this thing out of my living room. I don't need a church. But there was this opportunity, this door that opened to come here and meet you people. And um, through that opportunity, you people brought great healing to my family. You people surrounded my family in such a way that I believe in the church again. No, I mean it's it's but it's not it's not me it's it's you like that's the thing so we're navigating this next season of our lives and um, God has opened a door for us at a church um, right across the street from our kids' school where we are going to um, I'm going to be brought on staff and be able to serve in that community um, so this is actually you know my last Sunday up here with you guys. And, and I I don't know how to sum up my time of discovery. I don't know how to put a pin on it. I wish there was a place where everybody was good, where all the teenagers were fine and they all found Jesus. Right? You wish you could just stop and say, like, okay, everybody's fine. You're good. But they're not. And so with fear, we're leaving, because I'm worried about them, and a part of me is like, why am I worried when they're with Discovery, when they're with the people that took such good care of us, can I trust that you guys take care of these teenagers? And So that's, that's my challenge, not as a youth pastor, as a guy that's leaving, My prayer is that you would come alongside these young people. That you would spend time with them, that you would encourage them. Then, when they'd be running through the hallways acting crazy, that you would love them in that. There's going to have to be a guy after me that comes in and teaches them, maybe that's you. I pray that it's one of you. But I can't be here. God has opened a door, and we're counting the cost. The cost is seeing you guys weekly and it's terrifying, and it's scary, and it's new, and we don't all love it, but we're working through it together as a family. And I'll say this, because he's not here today. Pastor John is the best pastor I've ever had in my entire life. That man loves you. That man loves this community. That man has, he has sacrificed to be in the position he's in today. And my prayer is that you would come alongside him, is that you would support him. We talk about cost. Give generously to this church. Again, I'm not getting a salary no more, so I could say it. (laughs) Give generously. Give generously of your time. Give generously of your money. Give generously of, of your resources, of your skills, of your talents, and your ability. This community needs you. I grew up on 59th in Portland. There was no hope for people like me growing up. (laughs) You lived and you died on the east side. It's what people do. And I got friends that are still doing it. And they need you. That's all I got. We love you all. pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift of today. I thank you for the time that my families have with these wonderful people, these saints. And I mean that in the truest sense. There are people here who love you so deeply, so passionately. And that love for you, God, it flows out through them to the community. And I pray they would continue to love. I pray that they would love the teenagers in this community. I pray that they would step up, to be honest, that they would mentor, that they would disciple, that they would walk alongside, do the thing I can't do. I thank you for them. I I, I pray that today we would make intentional decisions to walk towards you. Even when it doesn't feel good, even when it's hard, even when it's a struggle, even when it's just a grind, just to get up and go to church. Opening a Bible feels heavy. Praying to a God that feels distant. Press forward. Press in. I pray that we would crawl towards you in our hardest moments. And I pray that we would drag people with us in our strength. Thank you for the gifts of the day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this community. What a blessing. And we pray. Amen. So I talk about generosity. Um, We do give back. Um, My heart would be um, as Brad and or as Tad and Barb come up, we're going to have a moment of prayer. And I also, in this moment of prayer, I, I want you to reflect on what it means to press into Jesus.
2: Many of you have a
5: a spiritual, a heightened spiritual awareness this time of year right? people are asking questions you're in the grocery store and there's a life magazine in the check stand that says Jesus who was he right? it's a moment where people are questioning and maybe that's you today I pray that in this moment of prayer and as you think about giving that you would reflect on that and say God how can I press into you Maybe it's through an act of service. Maybe it's through giving. Maybe it's through being in this space, inviting someone in. Just take a moment before we pass the baskets to just sit silently in some prayer. we want to lift up a prayer today. I just want to lift up a prayer specifically for the person that in this time of year, um, they don't feel like they're surrounded by family. They don't feel the love and the joy of the, the Christmas season as we talk about for Advent. They feel lonely. They feel sad. They feel lost. I pray that in this season that they would find a home in you and a home in this community that here at Discovery in 2023, people can find real, authentic relationships and family. I pray that you would help us in this community continue to be that for people. And I pray that you would break open hearts to allow us to be vulnerable in real, tangible ways. I pray that we're never alone when we seek with you, when we have that Holy Spirit inside of us, We can have a joy. We can have a peace that passes understanding. In your name we pray. Amen. We are going to pass the baskets now as well. There's a tangible cost to running a church, lights got to stay on. We've got to do stuff in the community. My prayer is that we continue to be generous with our time and with our money so that people like me can come in and feel loved. Because there's a lot of people in Tacoma that need to feel some love. I'm going to pray over these offerings. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you can do infinitely more with a little bit than we can do with a lot. I pray that we would be generous. I pray that we would be generous in all the ways that matter. I thank you that if we value something, that we would recognize that it costs something. If we value a community, if we value the work that you do in the world, we would support the church. The church is God's plan A in this world, and there is no plan B. It's the bride of Christ. I pray today that we support it and we give well. Thank you for the work that we do. Thank you for the Christmas presents we wrap for kids in our community. The tangible ways, but also prayers, the encouragement, the love that we can share with each other and with these 10 blocks around us. In your name we pray.
1: Declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe.
2: we needed that. <laughs> it's so good to be with you guys this morning to focus on joy of the Lord and the victory we have in him. So thankful that we can be here together and just get that breath of fresh air that we need, right? And to go forth in our week joyful over the victory he has in our lives and in the world. I've got a couple things for you before you leave. First of all, I don't even know if Jesse is in the room right now, but can we just give him another hand? just for his service. And the Holcomb family, they have served our church from the minute they stepped on campus. (laughs) So, and I'm totally going to cry, but I'm so thankful for you guys and the leadership, Stephanie, that you've shown on stage in worship and Jesse in our youth and on stage. And I can't imagine getting through COVID without you guys because you were such a key part of that, weren't they? Yeah, so we just love them. So give them... um, just some love as you leave. Of course, we get to see them around a little bit. We just don't get to hear from Jesse again. But I'm just so thankful for our brother and sister in Christ. And as much as we grieve saying goodbye to them, we celebrate what God is doing in your lives and this much smaller commute that Jesse will have doing <laughs> ministry very close to your home. Whew, whew, Okay. So I'm joyful for you guys, and I'm so thankful that we got to share with share you for so many years. Okay. You guys, we are not only um, excited to join next week for Christmas Eve and have you guys here, but we're actually throwing the party, right? We're bringing our neighbors and our friends. So if you have a little bit of time after service, we do not need to tear down this auditorium. We do need to tear down uh, the rotunda downstairs and all the classrooms. But other than that, we would really covet your help decorating a little bit. Right after church today, we're, we're going to go down to the trailers, bring some totes up, get um, some things in this auditorium so that we can get set up and make our jobs a little bit easier for all the volunteers on Christmas Eve as well. So I invite you guys to just help out. Um, if you have any questions, you can see Donna will answer questions. I'm sure Tad and Kristen would as well, but we would love to just um, get this show on the road and many hands make light work. And um, let's, let's decorate for Christmas a little, you guys. Yeah, other than that, um, I hope that you have your little invitation to invite somebody this week to Christmas Eve, and we're just so excited. Remember, there's no Christmas Eve morning service. It's just at four o'clock and six o'clock next week, so keep that in mind. All right, you guys have a wonderful, joyful week of Advent. Have a good morning.